Good morning, Faith Builders Church. Happy Sunday morning to you. I know you were already blessed by this morning's Sunday worship, and I know you're going to be encouraged with the Word of God. Hey, listen, I am so excited about next Sunday, May 31st. It is going to be a special Sunday. Not only are we opening our doors, somebody give the Lord a praise, give a big heart, write hallelujah in the memo there. We are coming back to church next Sunday, 9 o'clock and 1030 services. All children's classes will be available to you, but it is also a special Sunday. It is Pentecost Sunday, and I know that the Lord is going to do something so special as we come back together. But I am excited to get into this morning's message. We are on part three of Perspective, and I'm closing out the series this morning, and we're wrapping it up, and I hope you've been enjoying it. You can jump online if you've missed any of them and get caught up, but today I'm excited about this, and I hope faith. Builders Church, I want you to get your notebooks out, get your pen out, because the Lord is speaking a word for us as a church. When we come back together, we are coming back to do something very special for God, to do a kingdom call in North Phoenix, Arizona. And I hope that this message ignites you, puts a fire in your soul. I believe the Lord wants us to put away the old things and step into the new. God's putting new wineskins on us to birth forth the new precious wine that he's called his church to walk in in this season. This is the greatest season of the church and the kingdom of God. I believe we will ever see and have seen. So I'm excited that Faith Builders were a part of this. So this morning as I'm sharing the word, I want you to write down these points and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because there's a special uh, call of God that's about to happen. So this morning's message is this, seeing from a different perspective. I believe God is calling his kids to see things from a different perspective. The church is about to change in the way the Holy Spirit's going to move. I believe signs and wonders and miracles are going to begin to happen in the kingdom of God. But how many know God wants his kids to be revived first? God wants us to get on fire and have that fire shut up in our bones before the revival can ever take place in the city. So this morning, I'm challenging us as the church to see things from a new perspective. My first point this morning is this, what you've experienced determines what you see. Isn't that the truth? What you've experienced determines what you see. I know I was so blessed a couple years ago to go to Mexico on this incredible vacation, and I had the opportunity to go swim with the whales. What an incredible opportunity. And we got in the boat, and we drove out probably two hours into the ocean, and then when they would see the whale come underneath the water, they would tell us to jump now, and we were positioned, and we were ready on the side of the boat with our snorkeling equipment on, and then they'd say, jump now, and we had to be ready. We had to be positioned to jump. And if we didn't jump when they said to jump, there was an opportunity we would miss what we were about to see. Boy, isn't that full of a lot of great wisdom right there. But we would we'd be jumping in, and I got to see this incredible, ginormous whale. I was almost face-to-face with this thing, swam alongside of this beautiful creature. What I have experienced is determine what I can see in the future. See, I'm able to stand here this morning because of my experience and tell you what I saw. I can tell you every little point of what that experience is about. Many of you have been to Walt Disney World, right? And you're able to talk to someone 
about your experience at Walt Disney World and you can see it as if you were originally there because you experienced it. And I believe that God is calling his church to experience this deeper relationship with Jesus. I believe that God is calling us back to our intimate relationship where we are hearing from God, where we're feeling the presence of God, where we're spending time in the word and getting fresh revelation. I think God wants the old manna to die. I believe the Lord is giving his church fresh revelation, fresh insight. I know every time I open up the word of God, it's like the word of God is just jumping off the pages full of life and full of promises. And God is calling his church to get out of this religious experience and begin to experience once again, this intimate relationship with him. I believe God is calling us back to our first love where we were so on fire, where we were ready to do something for Jesus. We were ready to do anything for Jesus, right? We're ready to do the callings of the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also believe God is calling the prodigal sons and daughters back to his house, back to a relationship with him. Maybe you're watching this morning and you have wandered away from the gospel. You've wandered away from not just, not religion, but I'm talking about relationship where you're spending time with the father, where he's speaking to you and, and you're talking to him and there's a conviction of our sin and God is changing us and converting us into his image. God wants revival to happen on the inside of us so that revival can come to his church. I want to excite Faith Builders Church to get ready because there's, I grew up in a time where there was revival happening. I know when I was just a kid, my parents were living in a time of revival. They would open up their home every Friday night and have a Bible study and I'm telling you, the roughest, toughest people would walk into that basement. But I would see, I would experience that moment where those people were giving their lives to Jesus, where they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I was probably only maybe seven or eight, and I would see demons coming out of people. I'd see them set free and their lives transformed and converted and set into the local church. I would see people healed. I would see the power of God. I experienced that very young. So I'm I'm here to tell you today because of what I've experienced, I can tell you what's about to come. And even the church I grew up in and First Assembly in Rockford, Illinois, man, there was revival happening. People were being saved. People were at the altars for hours after church, weeping and crying out to God and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a revival. I experienced this incredible move of God in my young walk with Jesus. And now because I've experienced experience, I'm here to tell you what I see coming is revival. What I see coming is signs, wonders, and miracles. What I see by the Spirit is the church of Jesus Christ arising stronger than the church has ever been. And not only am I declaring it, but the prophets and the mothers and the fathers of the, of the faith are declaring that this is the season where the church needs to experience that relationship with Jesus once again. Let's take off our religion just close and let's come vulnerable to God and say, God, take it all from me. Take it all from me. I want to come stripped and ready to do what you've called me to do. I believe that we're coming in the season of revival. And it was said so perfect in Matthew 9, verse 35. It says this, Jesus was talking and he said, the 
Harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. We are living in a time where God is saying the lost and the dying world is crying out. And God is calling for the labors, which is the church of Jesus Christ, to go out into the highways and the byways and begin to reach the lost and dying world. Because you know what? They're ready. They're ready. They need a hope and they need a purpose and they need a joy back into their lives. But Matthew 9, verse 35 says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Man, if Jesus went city to city declaring the gospel of the kingdom, we as the church, it's time for us to rise up and go to our neighbors, go to our co-workers and begin to do what? Declare the gospel of the kingdom. There is no other message but the message of the cross. Somebody say amen. There is no other rescuer but Jesus, the great I am, the one who laid his life down on that cross and the one who resurrected three days labor and gave life and eternity to those who would believe. The Bible says that we have to repent of our sins. That's the kingdom. Repentance is coming to the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom. That is the message. That is what we need to be declaring declaring to this broken world. He said Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. If we want signs, wonders, and miracles, and I know that we do, we want to see the blind as eyes open. We want to see the lame walk. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we want that, we have to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus died and he rose again. And we must confess of our sins to walk into eternity with him in heaven one day. Goes on in verse 6, 36. This is the most important verse. And when he saw the crowds, listen, Jesus is always looking at the people, isn't he? He's always looking at the people. And he had compassion for them because they were, listen, harassed and helpless. When we as the church, do we look at the world and we are we having compassion on them because they're being harassed? They're being overwhelmed by the world. They're being um, possessed by demon, demonic influences. They're being overwhelmed with depression and suicidal thoughts and, and feeling worthless. Are we looking at the world like Jesus looked at the world and see them being harassed and helpless? And do we have a hunger cry that says we've got to reach them no matter what it takes of my time and of my sacrifice, I need to reach the world for Jesus. He said, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty. Listen, we have lived in the church building programs for years, and yet we're waiting for the, the harvest to just come in our back doors. And that's not the way it's going to be in this season. God is calling the church to be the church. Go into the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. The harvest is ready. They're waiting. They're waiting for the clarion call of someone to share the good news with them. We got to stop being afraid. We got to stop being apathetic and we got to rise up and be this glorious church that God has called us to be. He said, the harvest is ready, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. And that's why I believe 
God wants us to go back and experience him. Because when you have that intimate relationship with God, when you're worshiping him in your home and you're overwhelmed with his love and his forgiveness and his compassion, you can't help but to go tell the world what you see. And that is that we have a redeemer. Amen. We need a personal revival within our soul. Have we become so comfortable that we have forgotten that we need a personal revival? We don't see what we want to see yet because we're not experiencing the intimacy that God is calling us to experience. And that's where we find ourselves in this uh, continuation of this letter and, and the Philippians letter. We know Paul wrote this letter. He planted this church in Philippi and he was writing to them and he was explaining to them in these next few verses that we're gonna wrap up this morning. He said, I know what it means to be a sinful man. I know what it was. I used to persecute Christians, not me. Paul did. He said, I was a persecutor of the church. I hated Christians. He was the, I call the modern day ISIS of seeking Christians down and killing them. He knew what it meant to be without forgiveness, but he also knew the goodness of God. What is he saying? He says, I, Paul, I'm trying to tell you I've experienced something that you haven't experienced yet. And I'm trying to tell you of things to come. I know the goodness of God. I know the forgiveness of God. I know what it means to be far from him and not to be with him. And I need you, church, to understand and see what I'm trying to share with you in this letter. There are people that are in this race of faith that are ahead of us. We've got our, the pastors who are running this race who are ahead of you. We've got the apostolic mothers and fathers who are over us declaring and the prophets of the nation. We need to hear the clarion call. What are they saying? What are they seeing? What is the voice that's coming from the local churches that we need to say, that's what I need to see, what they are saying. Amen. He saw the, the hard side where he was sinful. He was beaten by sinful men. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. But at the same time, he saw the goodness of God. God showed up in his life like a bright light, knocked him off that horse onto the ground, and he had an experience with God that converted him and changed him forever. And in this experience, God literally took him into another spiritual realm. The Bible calls it the third heaven with God. There's this experience that God wants to take us beyond religion into this relationship. And because he experienced God at this level, he was able to pen this letter, which I'm going to share with you. And these points are so important. What did, Paul, what did Paul see? What was he trying to tell them? God wants you to have your relationship go to another level with him. Amen. I want you to look at Philippians 3.1 as we break down these points this morning. He said to the church, finally, my brothers, brethren, rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. Why? Because throughout this whole book, he said, rejoice over and over and over again. No matter what season you find yourself in, he said, it's time to rejoice. Goes on to say at the end of this verse, and it is a safe guard for you. Now let's look at this a little bit before I get into my three points quickly this morning. After the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know the church was launched. 3,000 were added in one day and the church began to build itself. And the first century believers were the ones who took the message out. 
which was the good news, the gospel of the good news of Jesus. And that gospel, if you'll look in the first part of uh, Acts chapter 7, originally only went to the Jews. The Jews were the only one who received this salvation message. But as the message began to grow, it then expanded out to the Samaritans. Now, you have to understand the Samaritans were part Jew, but they were also part Gentile. So the religious leaders said, well, it's okay that this message goes to the part, because they're part Jew. It's okay if you present the good news to them. They weren't too radical about it. But at this point, they were no longer just taking the message to the Jews or the Samaritans who had rights to this gospel. Now the message was going to the Gentiles. Those who had no rights to any freedom, no rights to the salvation process except through the law. And all of a sudden, this, this message began to go to the Gentiles and all hell broke loose. Why? Because the strict religious leaders did not want this message to the unbeliever unless they were converted to become a Jew. Now listen, this is important. They wanted the Gentiles to convert to the law and now fulfill the law, although Jesus is presenting, you're going to come to me through grace, they want it to come through the law. And then through that becoming a Jew, now you can earn your rights to hear this message. So there was this controversy happening now, going back and forth. Should the, should the Gentiles have the right to have the gospel with no bondage to the law. And one of the statements of the law was, says they had to be circumcised. You couldn't be born again fully until you were circumcised. But God was changing the system here. Thank you, Jesus, for God. Everybody say, but God. So in Acts 15, it shows us this battle going on. There was such a huge dispute that they were at an event called the Conference of Jerusalem where they battled this out. Should the Gentiles have right to hear the gospel without being converted to Judaism, right? And all of a sudden, the, the verdict was cast where they could preach the gospel to the Samaritans without them being bound to the law, the freedom and the grace of the gospel was presented. So Paul was free to preach to the Gentiles, right? Paul would say in his message, all you need is Jesus. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. But there was a group called the Judaizers, Judaizers, and they were going behind Paul's message of grace, saying you have the forgiveness of your sin. There's nothing you have to do through works to earn it. But the Judaizers would come along and say, yeah, we, we agree with what he said, but you also need to be converted and obey the law. So I want to look at three things here really quick that as the church, we have to be mindful as we're stepping into this new season. Three dangers that I believe that all believers need to see. Number one, see the danger of legalism. And this is going to go two ways in just a minute. See the danger of legalism. The word legalism means this, substituting rules for relationship. Now, I want you to understand that. It isn't what I do that gets me pleasing to God, right? It's because of my relationship to him. I come to him just as I am. I learn to know his voice. I learn to hear his voice. I learn to allow the word to bring correction and to change me and convert me. But I don't have to do all these legalistic things to be saved by his grace. It's not what I do. It's what he has done for me. I'm going to tell you the law will 
will trip you up all the time. Legalism will get you bound in condemnation, but Jesus came to set you free. So let's look at this scripture verse, or I should say this letter that he wrote to the church. He said this in verse two, watch out for those dogs. I think that was like a back in the Bible day swear word. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm just saying, watch out for them dogs, <laughs> those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. What was he saying? They want you to do an outward circumcision to make you look good, to make you feel qualified. But verse three says, for it is we who are the circumcision. He said, listen, it's no more than, it's no more longer that outward that's going to make you look good. God says, I'm circumcising the heart. See, when Jesus comes into our life, it's not about these things that we do and don't do and even just coming to church. We think that's a good deed or I go to prayer session. That's a good deed. Those are still works. Jesus says, I want to get to the heart. I'm going to cut away the heart. I'm going to cut away those desires that the world used to draw you to. I'm going to cut away that abandonment and that fear and that depression. I'm going to circumcise the heart because you know me personally. I'm not looking for an outward expression of makes you feel good but I'm looking for an internal change of your heart. Everybody say amen. It's not about legalism. He said, he continued to write, we who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. It is not by the works of my flesh, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse four, though I myself, this is what he's saying, I myself have reason to be confident. If anyone thinks he has a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I more. And listen how he tells his story here, how in the natural outside, he should qualify. Verse five, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the tribe of Israel, or of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, remember, before his conversion, he was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. And as for legalistic righteousness, I've become faultless. He's saying, listen, I've got it all covered on the outside too, but I'm telling you, it's not what's on the outside that changed me. It's what happened on the inside of me. It's not enough to just come to church. It's not enough to just maybe go to prayer or, or raise your hands or, or do all these even works of, of things that we see in the church. I read my Bible. You know, maybe you don't feel like you're as bad as other people. Maybe you get through your little daily devotional. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but I'm saying Paul is challenging the church. I've experienced this deeper relationship with God, Jesus. I need you to see. I'm warning you. Don't get bound in, in what you do and what you don't do, whether it makes you feel good about yourself or makes you feel beat up and feel worthless. Regardless, it's legalism and it has to be broken. Do you know that for in order for a Pharisee to fulfill a law, there were 613 laws. 613. <laughs> I think Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, love your neighbors as you love yourself. You know, and if you love me, obey me. You know, those are, that's just the simplicity of the gospel. But in the law, they had to fulfill so many regimens. I don't even have time to go into what those laws were. Listen, this is what legalism will do. Two things, and we have to be careful as the church in both of them. Number one, legal, legalism will lead you to false guilt. 
Man, I, I've known believers that have been serving God a long time and they still feel worthless. And they still feel if they trip that God's gonna condemn them to hell or, or they feel overwhelmed and they never feel worthy enough. Listen, Jesus made us worthy. When you have a relationship with the creator, when you're experiencing something new, God will make you brand new. How can we go into the world that's broken if we cannot see our value through the grace in the cross of Jesus Christ, amen? And the second thing we have to be careful in uh, legalism is a false confidence. Because we can feel good about the things we do for God. And the sense of doing, I mean, things that are benefiting us, right? Where we go to church and we read our Bible. Those are things that benefit us. And those are good things, but not when it's bound by the law and out of, and not in relationship, experiencing the goodness and the humility of Jesus Christ. Be careful that we're not being so pompous and puffed up that I'm so spiritual because I do all these things. Mm -mm. It's no longer about that. God's taking away the ladder of people climbing up to these great ladders of success in the kingdom. That's going to be done away with. God is looking for sons and daughters in this season to not try to be heroes of the faith, but begin to be the spreaders of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul is penning them. He says, be careful. Don't follow these false preachers. Why? Because you'll slip into something that will hurt you. You know, that's why pastors care so much. We care so much that we run after our sheep and we're trying to say, don't go there because I can see because I've experienced I'm in this journey a little while longer. It doesn't mean anybody's trying to be prideful or controlling. It means I'm trying to what I see. Please listen to my experience. That's what he was penning to his church. He loved Philippians. He loved Philippi people, and they loved him too. So two things, don't get beat up, don't get beat down, and don't get puffed up. Amen? God has forgiven you. It's time for us to forgive ourselves. Number two, really quickly. Number one, I said, um, see the dangers of legalism. Number two, see the dangers of worldly distraction. We have to be mindful of the things that are distracting us away from our true purpose here on earth. You know, in this season where everybody's been locked down, it's, it's been bittersweet, and, and I know that because I believe in this season we should look and see in these last nine weeks or whatever it's been, what have I realized that I could go without? I think we've realized that we could live with a lot of less distractions, running here and there and going and busy and in the store shopping and spending all that money, spending foolish money. I think we realize in this season, what can I go without? And I'm good. Why? Because all those things have been distractions. And then we need to look in this season, maybe I need to realize what I don't want to live without anymore. I don't want to live without the local community. I don't want to live without the church. I don't want to live without personal up-close relationships. I don't want to live without connections, right? There are things that we need to take from this season and don't take it for granted, but take from it all the good that God would want to use in this season. Look at this in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. This is incredible. As he continues this letter, Paul said, but whatever was to my profit... He's like, whatever used to, I would benefit from. I now consider loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. 
Now it's lost. What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's nothing more important. It's all lost. Listen, church, let's put the distractions behind us. It's all lost. There's nothing more important than what? The Bible says, knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. What's that? My personal relationship with him. He said, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Listen to what he says here. I consider it rubbish. Everything else that would distract me, everything else that pulled me away and I was too busy, I'm counting it as rubbish. That word rubbish is translated to the word skabula. No, skubala. <laughs> I got it. Skubala. Skubala, and that word means this, waste or dung. He said, everything that distracted me, everything in my past, it's a waste, it's garbage. You know what dung means? I won't say it, but you know what it means. Put it behind us. All your past sin, it's dung. All your past successes, dung. Anything we've ever done, it is rubbish, right? Unless it gains for Jesus Christ. Let's put those things behind us. Man, I'm running out of time, so I want to get to point three really quick this morning. So hang on just a little while longer. Number three, the dangers is this. I see the dangers of spiritual complacency. We have to be careful, church of the dangers of spiritual complacency. Listen, we should always be content with everything we have. We should be content, not needing more, bigger houses, more things, fancier things, right? The Bible says to be content with what we have, but listen, we should never be satisfied for what we've accomplished for God's glory. We should never be satisfied for my past wins that I've done, my past serving in the kingdom, whatever it was, that should never bring a satisfaction to our soul. We should always use our gifts and our time and our ability to bring glory to God, to win somebody to Jesus, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, amen? This is not a time for the church to be lulled to sleep. This is the time for the church to awake, awake from its slumber, awake from its complacency, awake from its time of, of comfort zone and begin to say, when I come back, I'm gonna pull up my bootstraps and I'm gonna get into the field and I'm gonna begin to bring in the harvest that God has called me to my portion. I don't know what your portion is, but there is somebody in your world who needs Jesus. There is somebody in your world who needs hope. There is somebody in your world that needs freedom and deliverances and God is empowering the church church to go and be the church of Jesus Christ. When we come back together, I'm going to share a lot of what this looks like, the importance of the church, but the importance of going. What does that relationship looks like? It's in the Bible, and I'm so excited to share it with our church. So listen, let's get out of our comfort zones, amen? Let's awake and do what God's called us to be. Let me uh, share this last verse with you from Paul. Not that I have already attained all this. He's like, I'm not there or have already been made perfect, but I press on. Everybody say press on. Press on. Press on. Press on. It's time to keep going. Time to get the baton in our hand. Time to get our tennis shoes on and let's run this race of faith. I'm forgetting about what things used to be and I'm pressing on to the good things. I'm going to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already taken hold of me. 
Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, this is it. One thing I'm going to do. I'm not there yet. I'm pressing towards it. But one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget everything behind me. I'm going to forget all the past and I'm going to reach toward the goal of Jesus Christ that lies ahead of me. Amen. There is a prize ahead of us. There is somebody ahead of you that needs to know Jesus and they're going to get saved. There is a city in this, there is an area of our city, North Phoenix, Arizona. Faith Builders is a lighthouse on that hill. And we are going to shine bright for this city to see. We're going to shine bright with the demonstrations of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to reach this city for the kingdom of Jesus. Right now, we can't be still and we can't be satisfied. We've got to keep pressing on. Listen, it's time to know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're watching this morning and you've grown lukewarm and you've grown comfortable and you've grown complacent. God is calling you to rise up. Let's get busy. Let's stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Let's get ignited for the purpose and the call and the plan of Jesus. Let's forget everything behind us and let's reach towards Jesus. And maybe you're the prodigal son and daughter and you've waned away. God is saying, come back. He's saying it's time to come back. And maybe you just stumbled across this video, and I pray that you did, that you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And maybe the Lord's been visiting you, and you've been being drawn to this gospel message. It's a prayer of salvation, the grace that I shared. And I'm going to say this prayer for anyone who falls in any of those categories. Any one of you to say this prayer with me. I want you to say with your heart and your mouth, say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender all. And Jesus, I'm coming back home. I'm surrendering it all to you. And by faith, I will do what you've called me to do. In Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says that all heaven rejoices the moment you said that prayer. But listen, you cannot do this alone. You need somebody. We want to come alongside of you. In the um, comment section there, it should say something of, uh, you received Jesus, get connected, whatever way you can find, find the church information. Let us know you received Jesus today. Let us know you came back home. We want to disciple you. We want to mentor you, and we want to raise you up to go win somebody else to Jesus and do what happened for you today. Listen, church, I love you so much. I cannot wait for next Sunday. It's going to be an incredible time of celebration. But let's hang out just a couple more minutes as we close out our church service with a wonderful time of worship.